Long ago, in a faraway land, there was a prosperous studio run by a middle-aged CEO. In an era of princesses and flashy musical numbers, the studio decided to go in a different direction, and thus their most unique creation was born, and they called it The Emperor's New Groove. But The Emperor's New Groove is more than just one movie. There's an entire expanded Grooviverse out there, and I intend to explore it all on The Emperor's New Podcast. Hi, I'm Micah Hirsch, and I'll be your host on this whimsical journey as I'm joined by special guests to discuss every corner of this underrated franchise, from movies to television to theme parks. You can hear all about it on The Emperor's New Podcast, available on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Be sure to stop by and give it a listen, and remember, beware the groove! Clone Force 99. Have a mission for us, sir. Incoming! Let's blow something up! Yeah! Now streaming. Boys, you know what to do. The Batch is back. Strapping. The Bad Batch. New original series now streaming on Disney+. Plus. Welcome one and all to the Star Wars special episode of the podcast without a cool acronym. May the fourth be with you. I'm your host Chandler Darroshay and this of course is the show where we usually talk about Disney television animation shows but technically this is a Lucasfilm animation show but you know what it's made for the small screen and it's it's on Disney plus so it's still it still counts it's an animated show made for disney plus so i'm including it just like um the lego star wars stuff counts even though it's uh not produced by disney television animation because my show my rules dang it anyways i'm joined here today by um my good friend adam johnson that's the name i haven't heard in a long time <laughs> good to be back you only changed your uh your first name and not your last name <laughs> it's not like the last the last name is much of a giveaway. And also joining us today, we have our resident stormtrooper, Deagle. Long have I waited. <laughs> All right, so really quick, I wanted to go through everyone's connection to, of course, Star Wars, and more specifically, the Clone Wars and any of the other shows that have um, come around. So I'll go first. I haven't watched much of any of them. I've seen bits and pieces, but I'm not really like, this is honestly the first time I've sat down and watched like a full episode of one of these shows. Uh, what about you guys? Um, well, I've seen all the movies. I watched The Clone Wars. I'm slowly going through Resistance, but I've been reading um, a bunch of the comics and the novels. So I'm like, and uh, the games. Um, so I'm like really trying to get all of the Star Wars canon since they, uh, rebooted um so there are different things i noticed in this episode that i'm like that's interesting that's different um but love star wars for a long time and uh after after uh force awakens i've just been trying to dig more and more and more nice very nice well okay. you know me my username is from my trooper identification number so you know i'm a pretty big star wars fan but we don't have a ton of time for me to go into my entire history with star wars but i will pick up with um my history with the clone Wars specifically because 
I have kind of a unique story with the Clone Wars because I refused to watch it when it was coming out. Primarily because I liked the Clone Wars micro series so much. It's <laughs> it was kind of a the, the darker times of my life <laughs> in terms of my Star Wars fandom, but but yeah, for the longest time, I outright refused to watch the Clone Wars, and part of that was because I had watched the pilot movie, which is you know. <clears throat> awful not very good <laughs> yeah, yeah widely regarded as one of the worst pieces of star wars media up there with like the holiday special oh i'll go there i'll say the holiday special is slightly better in the sense that it is what it says it is it is a holiday special the clone wars pilot movie just fails to be either yeah a lot of a lot of action not much heart but enough about my hatred for the Clone Wars uh, pilot movie. <laughs> I eventually got back into the series when um, it came out on Netflix. And I'm, I guess it's just my biases again. It's not as good as the Clone Wars micro series, but it is still a pretty darn good show overall. And it kind of got me back into the swing of uh, liking Star Wars again. It got me into Rebels still working on resistance so i'll get there eventually but it's interesting yeah. because of course the prequels you know are a mixed bag at best um largely hated at worst um although i think it's I'll really come around a, i'll just find a belt buckle to bite down on for that one <laughs> well i think it, i think it's really come around to where i think a lot of people are you know coming back to them and realizing hey these aren't actually that bad and also there's like some really good things in them and some really bad things that are still like really fun to meme. Yeah. You know, the, 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 memes. the prequels are very memeable and I think that's given them a whole new life. Um, but I think the, the Clone Wars series, it seems like looking from the outside in is kind of the, the, what sort of, um, it was sort of a second chance for the prequel series to really, be what it was supposed to be in a way like like tell the story of anakin and obi-wan and all these other characters that we didn't really get to see so much of in the movies yeah it almost feels like if you watch the movies and you watch the clone wars series uh together it feels like oh the clone wars series was always supposed to be there because a lot of the problems that i had with it just of the way things um progressed um, in the prequels, where there are a lot of time gaps, this show fills a lot of those gaps. Right, exactly. Because it, it's uh, a lot more time jumps than the original trilogy, and definitely more time jumps than the sequel trilogy, because <laughs> the sequel trilogy takes place over the span of, like, what, two years, maybe? A year. A year, wow. 34 yeah. ABY and 35 obviously, ABY. Obviously, 7 and 8 happen, like, back-to-back, -back, and then 9 is, like, a year later. Um, so... Um, going into the actual um, episode, first of all, this is a long episode. This is like practically movie length almost. Mm -hmm. hey, no complaints here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was a, over an hour. Um, and of course, which is a, which is a definite um, change of pace from the last time they had a movie length premiere for a, for a Dave Filoni related show. <laughs> that being the Clone Wars. Yeah. <laughs> 
And of course, the whole thing opens with the narration from uh, that was Tom Kane. Mm-hmm. Obviously, recorded a while ago. This has been in production for a while. Because, of course, he also played uh, Monkey Fist in Kim Possible, which we discussed in an earlier episode of the podcast. A voice acting legend. Yeah, voice acting legend. Um, it's it's going to be uh, a shame if he ends up having to retire and isn't able to do this anymore because it's iconic. I mean, he's done this for so long for both um, the for both the, the Clone Wars series and also like in the parks he he's the narrator for like the the trials of the temple show and for any of the lego series like any anytime you need a narrator for a star wars thing unless it's the phineas and Ferb crossover he's pretty much there which i feel like were at any other may the fourth we would be talking about that but shiny new show the bad batch so we got to talk about that yeah yeah i i i, w- I want to do the phineas and verb one but that's probably going to be like next year because i i, I want to get through more of the earlier seasons before we really start diving into the specials um but anyways and i figured this was a good thing to cover because it did just come out so you know this is going to drop the day we're recording it which is something i try to normally avoid but oh wow we'll see ahead. <laughs> I, I had considered doing this live but I, I didn't have time to figure that out before we needed to record. So, yeah. So, um, I'll try to figure that out for a future episode, possibly in a few weeks. We'll see about that. I believe um, But going into the actual episode, um, so of course, it starts off with kind of a recap of what's happened thus far since um episode two basically it kind of takes place it kind of takes place in the middle slash all the way to the end of episode three where you have order 66 and it kind of shows um a normal battle happening where um uh a jedi and her padawan and i forget their names (laughs) um oh i sure i sure don't okay well you have their names Yes, I do. Okay, what um, were their names? I'm a total Star Wars nerd, so I recognized it right away. The master's name is Depa Balaba. Okay. Now, this doesn't really ring a bell to most people, but to every Rebels fan worth their salt, we know that's Kanan's master. Oh. And indeed, we see Caleb Doom as a Padawan coming up and and um, helping out with the battle, and he's the one who brings in the Bad Batch. I thought that was really interesting um, when, because I heard Nababa, um, I think it was in the narration, I'm like, that name sounds familiar, why does it sound familiar? And then Caleb comes out sounding like uh, Fred from Scooby-Doo because it's Freddie Prince Jr. again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And because I've read the comics, um, there's a comic that actually goes over um, uh, uh, Kanan or Caleb's uh, uh, story uh, come Order 66. Um, and I'm like, oh, I wonder how they're going to tie it in. But they do, I, I went back and uh, looked at some of the, the plot stuff from that comic, and they actually do the old Clone Wars tradition of overriding canon, which I think this is probably the biggest overwrite um, in uh, uh, this current, like since 2015, um, because the Bad Batch were not in that comic um, that was written by uh, Greg Weissman, I believe, and he was a writer on uh, mm. rebels um so i think it's interesting that they 
kind of just rewrote that section, but it's not the first time because in the Ahsoka novel, I believe they have a different way of her. Um, this is a bit of a spoiler uh, for Clone Wars Chandler, but um, uh, Ahsoka buries her lightsabers at one point. Um, and in the novel, they do that. And they also do it in the Clone Wars finale and it's slightly different. Um, I thought it was interesting that they overwrote it um, to have that Rebels connection. But I mean, in the end, it was a great scene, I, I thought. And um, it was good to see that kind of connection between the Clone Wars and Rebels and Bad Batch, where these are like a trilogy of shows now. It shows um, that, yeah, they're all, they're, they're thinking about all this and it's all connected. I mean, I'm sure it's a lot, it's a lot of the same people working on these different shows. Yeah. I mean, kind of even down to the episode font at the beginning where it says aftermath and big red letters, kind of very seamlessly transitioning from the Clone Wars to the Bad Batch. And that's kind of what this whole um, this whole episode is, is kind of transitioning from prequel era Star Wars to, you know, original trilogy and specifically with, of course, Tarkin, who is absolutely fantastic as always. Mm. Of course, yeah. Uh, it was good to see him again. <laughs> but we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit. Um, so... I also kind of uh, realized something. Uh, the final battle that they that they fight there, that's really the final time we get to see battle droids. Yeah. Yeah. Unless there's some separatist insurgents still, like, hanging about. Well, yeah. Well, okay. the for now, I would, I would also expect it to be. But there's not. It's actually just... Um, and, and this is full spoilers, by the way, for this episode. So if you haven't watched this episode, <laughs> go watch it first before listen to us talk about it. But that, of course, is Saw Gerrera, uh, and a whole camp of soon to be um, rebels, former um, Republic, who are like, we don't want to be a part of this empire thing that they're starting. This is not what we signed up for. This is not what we agree with. Although while, while we're on the subject, I did kind of notice a little sneaky um, plot echo with Saw's insurgents to um, to Janna's insurgents in Rise of Skywalker. They kind of had a similar vibe to them, and their helmets really kind of reminded me of, uh, of some of their gear that they had when they crashed down on that ocean moon. I gotta say, Jenna and the whole band of insurgents, that was one of my favorite things that they did in Rise of Skywalker. I really liked that beat, and I wish they had done a little more with it, because I think that was really cool. Yeah, uh, because I'm one of the 18 people that actually liked Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> I feel like I'm the... I feel like I'm the most sensitive to, ooh, that's a callback to Rise of Skywalker. Mm, that is too. Yeah, I didn't make that yeah. connection, but that's really cool. Yeah, I like It's that. like poetry. It, it all rhymes. <laughs> So did I mention already as we were recording that um, D. Bradley Baker plays all five members of the Bad Batch? Like I was listening to it and I'm like, okay, one of those is D. Bradley Baker. I didn't realize it was all of him. I think we already did mention that, didn't we? Uh, no, that was during our pre-talk. That was during our pre-show. So so yeah, it's all, all of them. Hunter, Wrecker, Tech, Crosshair, and Echo are all played by D. Bradley Baker such a testament to his range as an actor and he how is much... way more than just Perry the rebel puss <laughs> 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 it's kind of funny how it's like you know he was 
obviously uh, a big part of the the star wars crossover and it's like yeah but he's also like actually been in star wars before and since this Mm -hmm. you could tell how much he's really learned from the clone wars and to really give each individual member of the bad batch and each of the clones uh their own personality Mm -hmm. although they make a point to have the clones here kind of sound very similar which makes sense since it's after order 66 and the inhibitor chips are you know kicking in and all that wonderful goodness yeah, I feel like and... Order 66 kind of doesn't make a lot of sense when you think about it. Like, why would you have an order that just bombs your whole military? But whatever. Well, I mean, that was, gotta watch the that's kind of the point. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like I, I like how the Bad Batch is like, wait, what? That doesn't make any sense. I'm like, thank you. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yep. all of of the jedi have committed treason it's like okay but the jedi are not a monolith but when your grand chancellor is also the sworn enemy of said order (laughs) it makes sense be an order um but going back to the with the testament to d bradley baker's uh talent uh one thing i noticed was how crosshair once the order was given his voice still was like the crosshair voice but his uh tone like the way he spoke was more like the um clones who had you know switched on to uh the order 66 command whereas very flat but he still had his character shining through um while he got the more quirky voices of the rest of the gang um i thought that was really good i mean it it would be great if it was just like one performance by d bradley baker but it's like 20 performances by d bradley baker um (laughs) and to have that you know, minute detail in your performance. I think it's just incredible. Absolutely. D. D Bradley Baker's incredible. Well, buckle up. Time for the episode pun, courtesy of me. <laughs> Considering how many people that he's voicing, I think that means that it's a D. Bradley Baker's dozen voices. Baker's Thank dozen. you. Thank you. Ah. <laughs> uh... Um, so going oh, through the episodes, of course, uh, Order 66 goes out and Order 66 goes out and they, um, the, the clone troopers kill the, the Jedi general that's with them and the, the Padawan, which was his name again. Uh, uh, he is Caleb Dune. He turns out to be, sorry, Caleb Doom. And he, um, uh, grows up to be Kanan Jarrus from Rose. right. So, um, so Caleb escapes um, after the the Bad Batch crew is like, well, wait, hold on, we don't really know what's going on either. And um, specifically, um, it was wasn't it Hunter that was the one that uh, was was uh, trying to um, have him come with them? Yes. Which mm-hmm. obviously would have been the worst possible thing that could have happened, and so he doesn't. Because uh, yeah. if they had brought him back with them, he would be dead. <laughs> there wouldn't be a Star Wars Rebels. There would not that be a Star Wars really Rebels. So, continuity. so obviously, it's good that, that did not happen. So they go back. So they all go back to Camino, and um, at that point, Palpatine is giving the whole um, monologue. I guess you could call it. <laughs> about how the um the republic is going to become the first galactic empire 
mm-hmm. which I found kind of odd hearing it all stitched together since Revenge of the Sith is has always been one of my favorites uh, growing up. So I'm used to having Palpatine's uh, monologue intercut with Anakin, you know, slicing down the Separatists. And just hearing it all stitched together, I'm just thinking, is this weird because it's all stitched together? Or is it weird because it was broken apart in Rise of Sky? In, in, yeah. There are two things with ROTS in R-O-T-S, Star Wars. Yeah. I gotta... <laughs> the other one. The other one. Is it because it's <clears throat> it's assembled all together in the Bad Batch that it sounds weird to me? Or is it because in Revenge of the Sith, it's so broken apart? Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, because I don't. I, I didn't remember the whole splicing of it when I was watching it. I just recognized that it was the archive audio. So yeah. maybe it's because they had the um, sound effects on it. Because when he's in the when he's saying the speech, his voice is reverberating because it's in that Senate hall or yeah Senate hall. Mm-hmm. But he's. I I don't know if that would sound so reverberated on that hologram. Uh, I thought it was cool that they were doing the archive audio, whether there's artifacts on that or not, that made it sound strange. I um, am the Senate. <laughs> <laughs> they did a little bit of that in the Clone Wars final season where they used some of the old, oh no, they, re, they used some old sound bites, um, but they also re-recorded some lines. Um, oh yeah. Like when Obi-Wan's talking with Mace Windu um, before um, things go down uh, on Coruscant before he leaves to go to Utapau, um, they re-recorded lines. So it didn't sound like an old uh, uh, Sam Jackson line. Um, whereas here, they just used the old line or the old uh, take. Um, so maybe that's why it sounds strange to me. I thought it was a cool uh, tidbit though, that they were like, oh, you're using the, the original uh, recording. Yeah, and just seeing everyone else kind of half-heartedly celebrate while the Bad Batch just looks on stock still just was a really great image. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like, wait, what? We were soldiers of the Republic, I thought. Are but of sure course, because of, the, because of the defects in their programming, they're, the whole thing is that they're not as susceptible to those orders. Of course, the one that is the exception is, well, it's kind of the exception is Crosshair. Crosshair seems to be the one that's most disposition to follow orders, and that is what ultimately ends up um, leading to the the finale of the episode, but we're getting getting ahead of ourselves. Um, Nothing. So, so, they the the whole bad batch crew goes back to their barracks and then um oh wait, they, they went back to their barracks before the the whole announcement of the um empire and then they're actually they they meet um they meet omega yeah I like Omega. And Omega is a young girl who, um, spoiler alert, we later find out, is actually one of the five remaining uh, members of the um, Squadron 99 or whatever it was. 
Well, she wasn't ever part of Squadron 99. Well, she was she never just part one of, of, she was part of that group of clones. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she was a part of that group of clones with the with the, the defects. Because one of the, the five members, which one was it that was originally... Uh, Echo. The reg- yeah, Echo. So Echo was one of the... What was one of the normal clone troopers until um, there was, I believe, an ex- it was, they said it was an explosion of some sort, right? And he had to be basically rebuilt Darth Vader style kind of where he's more machine now than man, at least. Yeah, in a way. And, yeah, in the Clone Wars series, in like season four, there's uh, an arc with Tarkin and this place called the, um, oh shoot, I'm forgetting the place, but they mentioned in the episode um and echo disappears and then he comes back in season seven when he joins the bad batch and at that point he's been experimented on uh, i think the separatists are trying to figure out how clones work um it's been like a year since i've seen it um <laughs> but uh yeah that's why he, and then he realizes oh you know i think i find camaraderie in uh these guys and so that's why he joins the crew right i also like the really nice touch of echo's design um aside from the really cool um robot uh, robot arm which isn't which doesn't have a hand it just has one of those protocol droid uh, one of those astromech um little uh, uh clicker thingies that can hack into stuff but uh probably what i uh, appreciated the most is that around his head he has those um earmuffs that uh lobot had in empire strikes back oh that's a cool detail a very very say... archaic version of it but yeah uh, I also just want to say that I really love Wrecker. Wrecker's great. <laughs> oh, Wrecker. He has all the best lines. All he's the best so scenes. funny. <laughs> and I just want to blow there. stuff up. He's just that's, like that's, the, that's why he's in it. He's just in it to blow stuff up. <laughs> he, he is. He's like, he's basically what happens if a himbo, instead of being, instead of being fed lattes, is fed Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> um, but so um, there's a there's a scene where they're in the mess hall and uh, Omega of course um, decides to sit next to them because she wants to be friends with them because she thinks they're cool and she actually um, knows all about them uh, and, she, and she's cool. been on uh, Camino all this time so she's never left yeah, just kind of like Ray in reverse. I guess, yeah. You're stuck on a stuck on a desert planet. You're just stuck on a never-ending, rainy Seattle planet. <laughs> Seattle planet. Seattle planet. <laughs> just living your life in the Apple Store in Seattle. That's I'm just, just gotta... thinking. I'm just thinking of the one um, robot chicken sketch where one of those creatures on Tatooine is like, "I'm gonna go find what's what else is out there in the world." There's no way this whole planet is just one geographical feature. That makes no that would make no sense. And then it just dies in the sand. <laughs> and it's one of those because it, it was living in water. There was like one um one body of water, I guess. Yeah, it makes it makes sense. Like all mean, these there's... planets are that's why I think um, you know, that you have a lot of people that are like, oh well, they should have done Tatooine for um galaxy's edge is like yeah but the problem with tatooine is that it's not very geographically interesting there's not too much that you could make for a theme park land where you'd have like you know i mean i mean sure people go to visit 
you know, Red Rock Canyon and Death Valley, but they don't live there. And there's a reason for that. It's too blasted hot over there. You you want Even a theme for me, park and I'm land, a Texan. You, you want a theme park land to be more hospitable and invite inviting. Yeah, slightly more why... hospitable than you know Moss Eisley, where it's a scum of hive and villainy. Right. I mean, you still have that with the cantina and everything at Galaxy's Edge, but it's in a much more lush environment, which I think is good. It's it's almost similar to Taco Donna, but with more um, more more rocks. Obviously, does all the spires and everything. Like a fusion of Taco Donna from Force Awakens and the main planet on the Mandalorian, where we start off on. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. I, I, I really love Batu, and I hope that we see it in things that aren't just like, you know, Disney Park stuff, but actually maybe see it in an upcoming Star Wars thing. I mean, it did get name dropped in Solo. It did. There, you know, it, it's like there was a there was a Disney Park with this land that was literally shut down for an entire year, and they didn't use that time to film something there? <laughs> hmm. Uh, but, well, uh, then again, well, you if you do want that too, a lot of that on a soundstage, and it would probably be better to do that because you actually have like the, the the stuff you'd need on a soundstage. Yeah, and control of everything. The theme parks are still. I mean, it, it's fine for an independent filmmaker, but if you're actually trying to shoot something, you probably do want the the control of a soundstage. Yep. Yeah. But going back to Bat Two, if you want to see another Bat Two story. Um, so on my uh, uh, YouTube channel that I do with Jonathan Edward, who's been on the show many times before, um, we did a whole mini series on Galaxy's Edge and one was a story explained video. So check that out if you wanna know some uh, books and comics that you can check out. But one that we didn't mention um, actually has some ties to the Clone Wars and Rebels. And that's uh, the Thrawn books. The Thrawn trilogy and one of the books takes place in Batuu. Oh, and cool. Anakin Skywalker, before I think before he's Darth Vader, I don't know if he goes back as Darth Vader, but at one point he does go to Bat Two. So if you want to know what goes on down there, um, check out Thrawn and Thrawn uh, alliances and Thrawn treason. I don't know if it happens in the Ascendancy trilogy, which is another novel series that's happening right now. Um, but yeah, if you're a Clone Wars Rebels fan and you want more Bat Two and more Thrawn, I mean it's right there. Everyone loves Thrawn. I would, no I would give Shop on Batu to find that coffee mug. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say, D. Gill, about zero out of ten? Uh, no B. Arthur in the entire book series. Zero out of ten. <laughs> no B. Arthur. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, <that's> <laughs> so it's funny because the uh, the the Golden Girls house that used to be. Uh, at Hollywood Studios is right where um, Docking Bay 7 is now. So I'm like, they should have cheesecake there. That's hilarious. <laughs> they should totally have cheesecake there because that's where the Golden Girls house was. I had no idea. It all there. connects. That, like... It all connects because B. Arthur, of course. Yeah, poetry, it all rhymes. It all rhymes. <laughs> it's like poetry, it rhymes. Um, one note that I see on the uh, the Wikipedia page here is that it says that George Lucas wanted the Bad Batch to be more unique than other clones, but not have them be superheroes. And I think they definitely accomplished that because they're not superheroes, but they yeah. do kick a lot of ass. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And we get to see that when they're called to do a training exercise. Such a good um, scene. In which they start with the easy mode, but then Tarkin's like, oh, we're going to use live rounds on them. And, and the 
the the people who run the 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 cloning you know the long neck alien things are like but that could damage our expensive toys and everything it's like it's fine i'll pay you for that <laughs> we have we have the money we make the money we are the money we are the money yes <laughs> and of course that causes um the crew to have to be creative um while they're trying to outsmart these high-tech battle droid things that they send after them was it just me or was anyone else getting uh dark trooper flashbacks from the mandalorian i couldn't place it but yeah now that you say that like oh that's what it was yeah they kind of have that that energy to them yeah because they look like clone troopers but they're they're not they're Mm -hmm. droid like which is what those dark troopers are yep and of course the other the other thread that's going on this whole time is that um, Crosshair que- keeps questioning um, Hunter and his decision making because uh, Hunter let um, Caleb go. Mm-hmm. And... Which I'm not sure how familiar anyone is with the five man band trope, but it but the Bad Batch has it in spades. The five man band is the leader, the lancer, the big guy, the t- the big guy, the smart guy and the heart hunter is obviously the leader because of you know his enhanced senses and his ability to make decisions and crosshairs is just the perfect lancer where he is um still mostly obedient to his leader but always questioning his um but always questioning the leader and really highlighting uh, and and kind of zigging in every way that the that the leader zags, right? And of course, you know, Wrecker is the the big tough guy, and we all love him. Yes, <laughs> Tech is the smart guy and the pilot. Guy. He deals all the exposition, all that good stuff. And I'm really glad Echo's in the group because he's kind of the heart of the group and keeps everyone kind of anchored because. You know, like we said, he's a rag. So Love moving it. right along, um, basically, long story short, um, Tarkin's like, okay, so I have a mission for you guys because I'm trying to evaluate um, the clones. Because the other thing, the other thing that Tarkin's doing is um, he's talking to the people who make the clones. It's like we have a contract. No, you have a contract with the uh, Republic that is no longer a thing. So. And, and I could get troopers from people just joining for half the price that it costs to have your clone troopers. I thought that was a cool detail that's solely in character with the way this empire works in the stories. Like even back to uh, when uh, in the original movie, when they uh, are conspiring amongst themselves and they're like, oh, well, we had to go through the Senate, and then Tarkin walks. It's like, oh, there's no Senate anymore <laughs> because they the got Senate. rid of the Senate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Astonishing that it took 20 years to do that, but you know. Yeah, yeah that's kind of, but you know. <laughs> it also took 20 years to build the Death Star, even though they looked like they're moving right along in uh, Episode Three. Yeah, they had uh, it mostly done looking like. I guess um, all of that with. Uh, Oh, what's his name from Rogue One really slowed them down. Like, they really needed him. Well, yeah. eh, not quite. Because remember, in episode three, all we saw was just the chassis. Yeah. All we saw true. was just the, not even that, the skeleton 
of the hull of the Death Star. And I, probably my favorite thing about Rogue One is that it just completely fills in the plot hole with one line from um, uh, Director Krennic at the very beginning when he's confronting Galen on the farm. He just says, Galen, the work has stalled. Galen Erso. Mm -hmm. And just like that, bam, plot hole done. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Took them yeah. much less time to build the second one. <laughs> and then probably because it was already on the way. It was probably under construction. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That it's like, oh, we'll have a second one ready just in case the first one, you know, something happens to it. <laughs> yeah, and then a few of the novels also, I think, go over like the inner um, imperial conflict and politics that like no i want to be in charge of the death star no i want to be in charge of the death star and that's why nothing gets done <laughs> you even get a, you even get a little bit of that in uh in rogue one there's a little bit oh, yeah, of sure. arguing and resentment and you're staying in the middle of my achievement <laughs> not yours and just like the man said don't get too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they're sent on a mission. And what time? I keep forgetting the names of like planets and stuff. I, I should This was Onderon, I think. Onderon. Not Alderon, but Onderon. Onderon. Yeah, it took me a bit to kind of clear my ears out and just like say, you know, because heaven, heaven forbid we actually show anything ever happening on Alderon before it blows up. <laughs> In the book. You just see Princess Leia meet her family, and that's it. And then it gets money shotted out of existence. But hey, it was voted <laughs> safest planet in the galaxy by Star Tours. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Onderon was yeah. Uh, that's a pretty cool episode arc in uh, Clone Wars, where Anakin and Obi Wan go to help Saw, um, mm. and uh, it was it was cool to see that moment where he moves on and he becomes his own movement that continues throughout this between three and four episodes, three and four gap. Um, the, the little nuggets that called back to other things I really enjoyed in Bad Batch, but it still felt like its own thing, of course. Um, yeah. When, so when was Saul first introduced? That was, that had to have been Clone Wars, right? Yeah. Season yes. five, I think. It was in Clone Wars and they hadn't gotten Forrest Whitaker to play him yet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool that um, we have um, Saw and Ahsoka who started out in um, animation and made the jump to live action. I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And probably what I really liked the most about this bit, other than, you know, more of the Bad Batch because they're such a great group to watch, it, the bit on uh, Onderon when they meet up with Saw is that it really cuts to the heart of Saw Gerrera's ideals of, of rebellion and revolution um, against the Empire. Um, it, yeah, it really just cuts down to the heart of his ideals before it got just completely um, eroded by fighting the fight for all those years. Now, of course, you could argue that, you know, um, him losing his sister, spoiler alert, in Clone Wars is more is more showing the heart behind his uh, motivation. But I don't know. I feel like that's more of the soul behind his motivation. Saw's just a great character. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I love that he even pops up in uh, Jedi Fallen Order. So, yeah. 
I, I like that, like, as you're saying, um, I think Saw more than Ahsoka, because he's appeared in just about every level of Star Wars. He's in the, uh, the movies, he's in the show, he's in the comic books, he's in the games, he's in the, the novels. Um, I, I like how there's those anchors for people to um, either jump off of. Like, if you see Rogue One, you're like, oh, who's this guy that Forrest Whitaker's playing? Oh, he's in Clone Wars? Well, let me watch the Clone Wars. Um, oh, what was like the past with him and, and Jin? Like, oh, I can watch uh, or I can read Rebel Rising. Um, you watch the trailer for Jedi Fallen Order. He appears in there. It's like, oh, I want to know about him. And Ahsoka you see in uh, Clone Wars and then you see in Mando and you see in Rebels. Um, so there's these really cool anchors. I think they're cool anchors um, for uh, people to jump up, off of because if you look at the list of all these different stories that's in canon, it can be kind of... Uh, overwhelming especially if you look at like pre-2015 it's you don't <laughs> even know where to start it was kind of just george lucas approved whatever yeah more or less it, or it was didn't you decide all, you kinda... what you want to read or or play or or watch and you know the movies are the primary canon and everything else is kind of secondary and there's kind of a hierarchy it goes down yeah and i feel like with this show they're going back to that because as a as we were talking about earlier with the thing with uh, Kanan, it's like uh, whoever's the lead storyteller, in this case, it feels like it's either the folks who are working on the movies or it's Dave Filoni. And that takes precedence over what happened before. Just give Dave Filoni his movie already. Yeah. (laughs) Wasn't he supposed to have one? Mm -mm. No? Hmm. Not officially. Not officially. Um, There might have been like rumors on the internet, but uh, he's been sticking around in TV and uh, he thrives there. I mean, yeah, he's great there, but I, 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 I'd say you know you could give him something. You know, ha, try, let him try a Santa movie, see what he can do. If we're going to be doing more. a 2008 movie. Well, Clone Wars movie. Well, that doesn't count. <laughs> that doesn't count. Give him a redemption movie. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I would love to see an animated Star Wars movie on the big screen. Please. Again, but actually good this time. Please. Yeah, I wish they did that with the uh, uh, Siege of Mandalore arc that ended the Clone Wars. Um, like, like, okay, so... That would have been how, so cool, but, you know, locked down. You yeah, know how we had Big Hero 6? <laughs> you know how we mm-hmm. had Big Hero 6 with... With Marvel doing it as a co-production, not really a co-production, but yeah, Disney feature animation doing basically uh, a Marvel comic. I think let's, I see where you're going with this. Let's do that, but with Star Wars. Mm. <laughs> that would be awesome, especially God. Yeah. Could you imagine if they could actually do like a 2D feature? That's what I've wanted for a long time. And like, do 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 a 2d hand-drawn star wars movie is like a standalone that would be amazing or just shoot the moon go for the um animation style of the holiday special uh, animated segment <laughs> the feature length do it you oh cowards God, please, no 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 do it. no I, i'm glad do that it. that's on disney plus now but we do not need that in that's any so other bad. capacity <laughs> It's so bad. Cowards. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm very glad that it's on there for historical purposes, but like, oh my gosh, the animation. That's where it ends that for me. Like, how much did this cost them? Five dollars? Probably. It did feel kind of like overseas animation, sort of like the, um, sorry for invoking this name in this house, but it felt kind of like the Zelda CDI games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yep, that's it. Yeah, it was very cheap. That Luke uh, model, though. But, but back to the animation that actually looks really good. <laughs> oh, it's splendid. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, the, the, the orders that the Bad Batch gets on... Uh, on what was the planet called again? It was not Onderon. 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 That's right. So the orders that they get on Onderon are to um, take out the remaining separatist um holdout, basically there. And then they're like, "Wait, these are just civilians. These aren't separatists." And they of course have that uh, meeting with Sargerera, and they don't do anything and they leave and of course that's um that that's kind of a big um sticking point again with crosshair uh it's like but we don't know that they're not the separatists we were supposed to take out and hunter and says we're not taking out a whole bunch of civilians and of course there's a probe droid watching to um see how their mission is going that they disabled already yeah an imperial probe droid but but it's already sent the information back to um tarkin and of course when they get back to um geonosis it's they are promptly thrown in the brig for um treason Camino, actually, but close. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Camino. <laughs> Not Genesis. Yeah. So, yeah. So, when they get back to Camino, they're thrown in the brig, of course. Um, and Omega's thrown in the brig, too, because um, she's doing a kind of a side thing. I actually wasn't really sure what she was looking for. Yeah. That was, was unclear. Just kind of the... she, she was looking for something and got captured and thrown in the brig just because it was. I don't know. It's convenient to, to get them all together, I guess. Plus, you know, she's a little kid in a Lucasfilm production, so she's going to, you know, wander around and, you know, take a look at all the cool stuff around her. Whoopee! That is true. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, really wait, like wait, wait. No, no, no. I did that wrong. It's it's not Whoopee. It's Yippee! <laughs> yes. Um, oh, I like I like the character of Omega, and I'm excited to see where they go with her. Uh, yeah, she's really show. cool. I like her. But um, I was I, I felt like they could have shown more of what she does as a medical assistant, because uh, they're like, oh, she's a medical assistant, and never got a sense of that. And of course, like this episode could have been two hours and could have blown the budget on it. Um, maybe yeah. not the best <laughs> idea. Um, I mean, we did get a little taste of it when Echo comes to after he got knocked out in the cafeteria fight that where um, Omega is right by his side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course Echo would have PTSD and be yeah. actually psychologically triggered by um, droids operating on him mm-hmm. after all those years of being plugged into their into their matrix, I guess. Which is unsurprising. <laughs> you just feel for the guy. Poor guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so, um, eventually they take, um, eventually they take Crosshair and, um, they, they basically turn the, the part of his brain that 
is all about following orders up to you know the max setting because the 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 clone manufacturer people are like yeah you could you could absolutely turn that up and so um Tarkin heads and do that and this one goes to 11 yeah <laughs> meanwhile the the rest of them managed to escape because as is um discussed the the holding cells weren't really made for like you know soldiers so it's really easy for them to punch a hole in the the wall in the cheaply made cell and have them um be able well specifically omega is able to um climb through the wall up into like the vents or whatever and and ends up actually um just just kind of falling into the the troopers that are um guarding the the controls mm-hmm. not gonna lie omega's looking pretty sus <laughs> <laughs> i saw her vent i swear <sighs> Yes, she vented. Um, Omega was ejected. Because <laughs> in space, you can never be too safe. I didn't um, think that was an interesting detail, though. Um, uh, when they're like, this wasn't made for a prison cell. I'm like, oh, yeah, they were just a science planet. And obviously, they've had to um, uh, adapt. Uh, so I thought that was a cool detail. I never thought about that, but when they said that in the show, I'm like, oh yeah, that that makes perfect that sense. That makes sense. Yeah, man. Even um, before they get, they became the the empire and were worried about cutting costs with stormtroopers versus clone troopers. That with the cheaply made cell, man. Even the Republic were complete one percenter coupon cutter <laughs> cheapskates. Man, this billion dollar empire is worried about cutting costs like like this seriously. <laughs> so they make their way out of the cell and get to the final big fight in the hangar bay. Pew 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 pew. And probably my favorite detail is Crosshair's Imperial armor. Yeah, which really looks like I think Crosshair's was the first Death Trooper. Ooh. Don't remember Death Troopers? They are the black-coated, the black-armored, green-eyed, legitimately intimidating bastards who are um, total mercenary troopers that are designed to protect, uh, that are um, assigned to protect um, high-ranking Imperial officers. Krennic had Death Troopers at his beck and call, so did Thrawn, and so did Moff Gideon. And they are lethal. And I love them. <laughs> I love that you're catching all these like costume details because I totally missed that. But like having this conversation, like, oh, I need to go back and check that out. That's awesome. Yeah, well, I was watching this That's on my curse. phone, so I wouldn't have caught something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Even if I did know more about the expanded universe stuff. Yeah, I, I was talking to Chandler on, on Twitter uh, messengers last night, and I was just saying, I have a page and a half of notes. This is going to be good. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm, I'm really glad I got you guys on for this. Um, but you Although most Charlie. of it is just trying to capture my giddy fangirl squeeing as I, I I have notes in here that's in all capital letters. It's Kanan! <laughs> yeah, I did the same. I put Kanan and two exclamation points <laughs> on my little uh, 
not not quite two pages, but like half a half a notes, half a Samsung notes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh... So, yeah, um, oh, the other fight. the other detail that I really liked is um, Wrecker has like a a, a plush toy mm-hmm. that Omega grabs for him because he was like looking for it as they were grabbing for the as they were looking for their their gear, and Omega grabs it for him. <laughs> I want my stuffed teddy bear. It's like he's he's the big tough guy, and he has a what what, what creature is that? Because I know I've seen that in in. Uh, Galaxy's Edge. What what kind of? I'm not sure. Well, I, I don't know, I know what it is, like but I've they're seen... definitely going to make a toy out of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Well, I think, I think I've already seen that. Like that's already, but like you can buy a plushie of that, whatever it is. Is that a? It's not a loft cat, is it? No, I don't think it's a loft cat, but it's something. Hmm. Womp rat, maybe? No, <laughs> it has like pointy ears. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a Star Wars thing. <laughs> Congratulations, we found the one corner of Star Wars that I don't really know much about. <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia. We oh, merchandise within the merchandise. <laughs> Gotta buy that Art of Galaxy's Edge book now. <laughs> That's oh, one I'm kind totally of interesting jealous. thing when you're when you're developing Star Wars for a uh, theme park land is it's much less clear cut than. Uh, Harry Potter, it's like, okay, what are people actually going to want to have versus what's kind of just like, oh, this is a cool detail, but you know, you're not going to be able to buy it. Mm-hmm. You know, what are people actually going to want to buy? I still am d- disappointed that the cool sit down restaurant for Star Wars is being reserved for the Galactic Star Cruiser and is not a part of the land. Because I would love to have a full menu of stuff like, 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 like Ronto wraps where it's, you know, just this unique food you can try because I think that was what was really cool about the Star Trek experience and Quarks was they had all this and Quarks wasn't like the food itself was not all that well themed to like like look like it was from different places but that's partially because Star Trek is like you know oh it's humans from Earth going to other places so it's like the food has different different names but ultimately it is just Earth food yeah but with Star Wars, you can be super creative with stuff like that. And even though, even if I'll never actually get to go there, I'm excited to see what kind of stuff they serve at the the restaurant with like the dinner theater over there, because that's going to be really cool. Although I'm still insanely jealous of you nabbing that Rise of the Resistance Lego freighter. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's why I'm still kind of kicking myself for missing the Lego holiday special episode. Yeah, that was because I am a I am a total total Lego Star Wars nerd. <laughs> we might cover another Lego Star Wars thing on here sometime. <laughs> I will say the the, the planet hopping um, in Rise of Skywalker it did feel almost like Indiana Jonesy. Mm-hmm. Like we're going from place to place to get different things, you know, MacGuffin, MacGuffin um in a way mm, mm, i wouldn't call it a MacGuffin. MacGuffin is MacGuffins are really interchangeable yeah no not a MacGuffin, but like specific a, purposes we have, we have to go to a thing and then another thing and then there's a it, it's it's the the map to curly's gold yeah pretty much more or less <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of um the map to chewy's gold the map to chewy's oh. gold i kind of felt the the 
and, and not a bad thing by any means it's just it, it kind of has that adventure quest vibe and i do i do dig that i don't have a problem with that i just think it was in service of, of a story that didn't make any sense <laughs> like, like with 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 palpatine i i don't like what they did with palpatine but anyways <laughs> water under the bridge yeah <laughs> yeah anyways we don't have two hours to blow for me to for me to defend this anyway um so of course they are eventually successful at escaping and um you know they kind of are like okay well what do we do now it's like well i guess we're just gonna kind of lay low for a little while and um i don't remember where exactly were they headed by the time they use a code for it. They call it J19. And I'm like, hmm, I feel like I should know that. But um, I, I feel didn't. like I should too. So I looked it up and looper.com, I'm going off of them. They said it's a planet from season two of the Clone Wars. Okay. Um, which. Oh, great. One of the dry spells. Well, it's actually a dry planet. <laughs> it's oh. the one where there's a clone defector um, that um, thought that the war was unjust. And so he left his squad and basically uh, starts a family. And so this Looper article suggested mm. that maybe that's who they're going to see when they're like, oh, yeah, we know a guy. Um, that's who they're going to go see. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that's true. Um, so is that kind of the equivalent to uh, the Avengers when they laid low in Hawkeye's cabin while Ultron was messing shit up? Maybe. Mm. <laughs> Uh, it'll be interesting to see because um, this le- leaves some good uh, like uh, uh, threads, some good loose threads. I'm really excited to see how uh, Crosshair is going to be as the villain they have a connection to. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming that's the way they're going to go. Um, to have him because part of we're not going to make we're not going to make the same mistake of killing the villain we have a connection to in the first thing, <laughs> in the first episode. <laughs> That still, I think, is the biggest mistake that the prequels made was killing Darth Maul off in the first movie and then just having Obi-Wan just kind of be, you know, playing Clue. But like, okay, well, where are these clones coming from? And there's this missing planet in the registry, you know, and, oh, well, I have to go track down General Grievous and ride this uh, whatever creature and... <laughs> Hey, 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 her name is Boga, and she must be protected. Okay. <laughs> I love that you know that detail. It makes me happy. Detail, D-Gill. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Actually, you know what? Just going off, just going off the prequels, uh, I really like the, the, the hover car chase in, um, at, at the beginning of episode two. That's a really fun action sequence. I, I, I've always really liked that whole sequence. It's a little overblown, but it's definitely um, uh, pretty fun, pretty breezy, and chock full of Lucasfilm references because the oh, scooter yeah. that they're in is a playoff of one of the cars in American. Mm, excuse me, is a playoff of one of the cars in American Graffiti with the yellow and the exposed engine in the front. Ah, yeah. I also just think that's that's one of the few um, scenes where we really get back and forth between Obi Wan and Anakin. Yeah, and I really the dig civilized that. banter because they because they have the, they have really fun chemistry and it's and it's disappointing that we don't get to see more of them together in 
the movies, but of course the Clone Wars, we get a lot more of that. So and it's so good. And Matt Lanter, he sounds different than Hayden Christensen, but he does so good as Anakin. And James mm-hmm. Arnold Taylor is beautiful as Obi Wan. Um, Chandler, you really should check out that show. I'm, I'm surprised. Yeah, I need to go back and watch like all of it. But yeah. it's, it's, it's one of those where it's like it's kind of daunting just because there's so much of it at this point. Yeah, I was wiped out after a binge. Um, yeah. I do, I do have a bit of a watcher's guide for you. Okay. If you're going to watch the entire series all in one go, be warned, seasons one and two are really dry. Okay. That's There's some why interesting I... stuff in it. They lay, lay good foundations, but he's right. It's mm-hmm. They're among the weakest of the seasons by far. Yeah, a, cu- a couple of standout episodes, like a really good one where they where a few Jedi try to attack Grievous's compound and stuff like that. And it's this huge game of death style uh, maze, mm-hmm. almost like a labyrinth of evil. <laughs> ah. I get that reference. But yeah, once you hit around the Night Sisters arc in season three, it picks up and it doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I definitely need to check it out <clears> at some point. Um, I really like this, so I imagine if I like this, I'll like the Clone Wars too. I think so. Uh, Clone Wars is more anthologized. um, Yeah. If that's a word. I don't know if it's a word. That makes makes sense, because it's kind of going in different time periods. Yeah, this one looks like it's going to take you after Rebels and Mando and Resistance. Basically any other Star Wars show. And go in one straight arc. It's the transition period, basically. Yeah. Right. Which will be cool to finally see on screen because um, yeah. we've only got them the games and the books and never on screen. They're just going to be like, um, okay, so what's the next gap we need to fill in between movies? We'll do an animated series or, uh, or a live action series for it. it yeah. can be well, they do intense. They, this is one of 10 series that are going to be coming out in the next few years. Yeah, so we're getting a so lot. I'm, I'm bracing myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, kind of the... Kind of, they're just kind of seeing, you know, the gap that they're filling between six and seven, which is great. And then they take a look at the Grand Canyon-sized gap between three and four, and thinking, okay, let's build a little bit more around here. Yeah, I think that's a good place mm-hmm. to, to to work on. Yeah. Although I was really scared that they were going to um, insinuate that it was specifically the failure of the bad batch to you know perform orders under tarkin that got them to say nope no we're turning off the clones we don't we don't need the clones we're just going to go with stormtroopers and just immediately start phasing in stormtroopers i'm glad that they're taking their time with that Mm -hmm. yeah um and so of course the the last shot as um as makes sense when you have a young protagonist who has never left their home planet of Kamino before. Um, the last shot is um, Omega watching in wide-eyed wonder as they jump to light speed and roll credits. Beautiful shot. Yeah, love that. Um, really, just a great way to end a scene. I think Solo did that too, where Han watches hyperspace for the first time. Yeah. And that was actually a really cool set because they projected light speed over the cockpit, the, over the physical cockpit, and you got to see it in real time. I want to visit that room. I mean, basically what they did for that um, for, for that movie is they just built a smuggler's run cockpit. 
shot on location at Smuggler's Run. Because that's basically <laughs> what it is. It's just a motion simulator base with a screen in front of it. That's what Smuggler's Run is. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wish Disney wasn't so expensive right now so I could go to Galaxy's Edge. Or I wish that I could just get you in with my main gates, but those are blocked out indefinitely, so. Damn it. Someday. Someday. So is there anything else we really have to, to uh, say about this episode other than I just thought it was really, really fun? Yeah, it's just a solid hook for the rest of the series. It answers a lot of questions that we have, leaves a few open, specifically around Omega. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm I'm hooked. I'm going to be watching... Um, I'm going to be watching each episode at midnight as it comes out because yeah. I am a massive dork, as if you haven't already <laughs> gleaned that. <laughs> Um, one, uh, um, what was I going to say? Um, totally, I think this really blends together um, the prequels and the original trilogy style really nicely. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I really like that because I think it, it feels like a bridge between those two. And I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Of course, a, they all, a good they help is that... To me, the prequels and the original trilogy, if nothing else, felt a little disconnected tonally because they're they're, you know, they they look so different when you're watching them. I mean, there's some similarities in the set design, but I think especially because of the amount of CGI they use in the prequels, it, it, it just looks different. And so I like that we kind of have this to kind of like, oh well, these do exist in the same universe and they do kind of blend together. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really until episode three that you really get that sense of the world morphing into the original trilogy. Right. Mm-hmm. But that makes sense because you need to visually show that this is a world that's oppressed by uh, tyrannical, uh, authoritarian, whatever uh, power. Right. Um, that's why it works for me. I don't really be like, oh, there's that visual uh, discontinuity because I'm like, oh, it's a visual representation. It, this makes sense when you know your government is so terrible. Um, yeah, that's just me. No, I mean, it makes sense ultimately when you think about it like that. I guess yeah. that's kind of why we're all excited for the High Republic stuff. Since yeah, we're seeing the world in its grandeur before yeah, Palpatine be screwed cool. everything up. I'm excited. I've got I've got the young adult book and I've got the adult book, and I'm excited mm-hmm. to read those. And then Acolyte, whenever that comes out. Um, oh, can't wait for the Acolyte. That's when there's so many heavy hitters coming out, like the Calrissian Chronicles and friggin' Ahsoka and the new droids, the fact that they're getting me excited about the Acolyte the most out of all of that really speaks to the ambition of the entire project. Yeah. I need to check out Russian Doll because I want to see what else uh, Leslie, and I'm forgetting her last name, it starts with an H, uh, what else she's done um, because I'm excited for what she will do. Um, in Star Wars. Mm. Um, I have to go soon, but I do want to give my final thoughts. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought the, um, I really loved this episode. It felt like season eight of the Clone Wars, the beginning of season eight mm-hmm. of the Clone Wars in the best ways, um, really picking up on the strengths of the seventh season. Um, I think they, um, the action scenes were nice and tense because with with the clone wars you had this like situational irony i think it is um where it's like oh we know where this is going to end up um even with rebels we're like oh we know we're going to end like in the rogue one new hope spot um 
but here it's really wide open um, and uh, don't know where they're going to go with that. Um, I, I thought they really did a good job establishing us with the crew so quickly. Um, even if you like Chandler, you had never seen their um, backdoor pilot. Right. Part. I hadn't, I hadn't seen any of that before, but it does a really good job of establishing who everyone is and where they're at and go, you know, that that's why, that's why the narrator is such an important um, part of these series is because if you're jumping in without really Siri lens <laughs> of these series and series like, yes, <laughs> I, th I think the narrator is really important um, to the the shows like this because it, it, it helps you kind of be like, okay, so this is where we're at and this is where we're going. Yeah. Let's play. Yeah, but I'm excited to see them uh, continue the strengths of this episode um, with these characters and with the writing. The writing is awesome in here. Yeah. Um, and the mm -hmm. animation is fantastic. And there's those awesome little details, like when they're shielding their faces during the blaster fire, um, crossfire scenes. Um, I'm excited for the foe. I'm excited to learn more about Omega. Um, that clone just really interests me. I'm excited to see what they do with her. Um, Cause I think that's something that Star Wars hasn't really, it's not like a thing that, that's not like the type of character that they've done before. Um, so I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, and the next episode is this Friday. Yay, so that's exciting. Because of course I had to drop the first episode today because, you know, May the 4th. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing, Adam, I don't know if you watched this, but the other thing I wanted to talk about really quickly, because um, um, Deagle, I know you watched this, that um, The Force Awakens from its nap, Simpsons short. I've not uh, seen that. Boy. That was weird. I know it's going to sound weird coming from me, but for a cartoon that's a gag a minute like the Maggie Simpson uh, cartoons are, this felt way too fast. Yeah. It, it, it kind of felt, I, I told you this on Twitter, but it felt like a Family Guy cutaway gag stretched to beyond breaking point. Yeah, because like there's the whole thing where it's just you know, but basically it's just a bunch of random Star Wars gags, but set in a daycare. Yeah, and the whole thing ends with Maggie getting crushed by a bookcase that looks like the Walt Disney um, Studios building in Burbank that I've been to. Mm -hmm. Like, like she gets crushed by that bookcase, and then. Um, and Disney's stock plummets, and then um, she's a baby Yoda force ghost, and that's the end. Call me crazy, but I think The Simpsons is issuing a cry for help with this one. Oh, they're just now issuing a cry for help? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch uh, The Simpsons, and I, I, I get the vibe that they ain't doing too hot. <laughs> Like just put them out of their misery. My goodness, let them do let them do movies. Let them just do Simpsons movies instead of trying to keep making the show. Like it's probably up to the team, and the team's fine just writing. I guess. Well, like, yeah. yeah, I feel like they would have done a second movie by now if they really, really wanted to. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, does anyone have anything they want to plug? I do. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, as I said last time, uh, my great pal Jonathan Edward 
uh, and I, we uh, do a, uh, a YouTube channel about theme parks called Theme Park Workshop. We are going to finish our first season. It's taken two years. We're going to finish our first season this year. Um, we've, if you like Star Wars, and if you're watching this episode, I'm sure you do. Um, we've got a, a really cool series on Star Wars Galaxy's Edge um, and a whole bunch of other videos on theme park stories and the things we love about theme parks. Chandler actually makes a guest appearance or two on our show uh, with Balthasar Banshee. Um, our lovable uh, and cynical um, puppet friend. From he is. Belfazar's Ben Shibites. <laughs> yes, a wonderful side series. Um, so go ahead and check that out on the YouTubes. Um, and if you want, you know, random Star Wars takes or random whatever I got going on, you can follow me on Twitter at AdamJ underscore film. You know me, you can find me at dgilvids, that's D-G-I-L-V-I-D-S on YouTube.com, where I have my YouTube show, D Gaming, where I show you my best plays in Overwatch, and that will be coming back. I have a final uh, date set for this Tuesday, because uh, finals are going to be over this week, hallelujah. I'll be starting up uploads on Tuesdays and Thursdays again. And you can also find me on Twitter at dyill2295. And I will make a promise here and now on a couple of things. One, every Friday, you will see a spoiler-free tweet of me talking about the Bad Batch as it keeps rolling out. And of course, this coming Wednesday, I am finally going to be finished with that dumb elephant. Yay! I will finish the my Dumbo live tweet. Live tweet. I'm putting it out of my misery so I can move on. It's amazing how long this is taking you to actually finish just because it's so boring. It's so boring. And I wanted to pick it up a little bit in August, but then a few things happened and I was just so not in the mood to talk about it. Understandable. But and and yeah that was also the month that chadwick boseman died so i was so not in the mood yeah understandable but yes this wednesday this wednesday night dumbo live tweet is going to be done i'm gonna make that elephant fly damn it you can follow me on twitter at starport 97 and at the youtube channel starport 97 i've got a handful of episodes of my flagship show theme park backlot on there and I'm still planning on doing the Disney Springs video, but that's still a ways off. Especially since I'm going to be starting a new series of vlogs that are a combination of a vlog and a scripted video. And I'm going to have a whole bunch of that coming from my upcoming road trip, so I'm very much looking forward to that. If you like this and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe. I'm on all the usual places. Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and now iHeartRadio and Audible. And of course also Anchor, where I upload this podcast to. Also, please leave us a review and give us five stars and share us with your friends if you liked it. All of that stuff helps us out immensely in the almighty algorithm. And be sure to join us next week as we go back once again to Gravity Falls. You can see exotic worlds across.